Ladies and gentlemen, we're a phoenix that will again rise as the public wake up to the inexactitude of this government and a hapless national party. Kia ora, I'm Emil Donovan. In the fell clutch of circumstance, we have not winced nor cried aloud under the bludgeonings of chance. Our heads are bloody but unbowed. For the past two and a half decades, New Zealand First has been one of the most important parties in Parliament. But in 2020, it was unceremoniously booted out of the House. It won less than 3% of the vote last night, meaning his party and his eight MPs are out. Over the weekend, the party held its annual general meeting and its charismatic leader, Winston Peters, rolled out some of his greatest hits. An attack on the use of te reo Māori. Why, for example, has the NZTA become waka kotahi? Unless, as one of my colleagues said, as they close the roads, we might have to get on the waka to get back up north. <laughs> on cancel culture. Anyone who asks a legitimate question is belittled as a colonialist. And the long arm of the state. Some of us, and I want to say this to you people in the media, are sick and tired of your paternalism. But amid the fire and the fury lie some inconvenient truths. Peters is nearing 80, and many experienced candidates have moved on to new projects, leaving New Zealand First something of a succession crisis. And the world is changing. These days, some of the issues Peters rages against are fringe at best. Using the Reo Māori on air is not in breach of the country's broadcasting standards. This comes from a recent Broadcasting Standards Authority decision following a complaint about TVNZ using the Reo Māori on air. Today on The Detail, what does the future hold for New Zealand First? It was very Winston. Joe Moyer is the political editor for newsroom.co.nz. I've been to a number of these over the last sort of six years and, you know, he sort of comes in and there's lots of applause and, and people are really excited to see him. We're the party that made three women prime ministers. <laughs> get the mouths guys and get straight. And then he gets up and he just says the same stuff that he said every other year at the same conference. And so it was what you kind of expect it. And I guess in some ways because this was a conference that was outside of the party being in Parliament, you know, they obviously got knocked out at the end of last year. And and this was a conference talking about what went wrong during the campaign. Um, they'd spent much of Saturday having a real deep dive into sort of what had gone wrong to end up being that, you know, they're in this position where they're not in Parliament anymore. And, you know, I just, I guess I thought that maybe that might have sunk in a little bit and they might have, you know, learnt some lessons and I guess that that might have had a little bit of effect on the speech that Winston Peters delivered. But um, it didn't. It was the same sort of stuff. It was having a crack at everyone and everything. You know, the usual um, media are to blame. When was the last time you heard a debate on any of these programmes? The Nation, what's the other one? Q&A, Morning Report. (laughs) Coronation Street. Well, you have more chance of hearing it on Coronation Street <laughs> than you'll ever hear on our media. Government is to blame. Just as the government said, no new taxes. 
and post-election up the bright line test. The Green Party. And for the Greens, the question is, what thought have you given to the hard worker in the Congo, seven days a week, all hours a day and night, extracting cobalt to finance your preference, or don't they matter? It was just very, very much the same. What is an AGM? What generally happens at these AGMs? What are they kind of for? Where are they? What is the vibe of them? So these are held by all political parties, and they're usually sort of around the middle of the year. So the point of them is to get all of the party faithful together. together. Um, you know, New Zealand First had about 150 people there at the weekend. Now, that's a little bit more than they had the year before in an election year. Mm. So that's quite interesting. They've picked up new members since they got knocked out of Parliament. And so they had a good gathering there um, at the Highbrook Convention Centre um, in East Tamaki in Auckland, which was actually the same venue they had it in um, the year before in election year as well. And the point normally, if you're still in Parliament, is to do things like um, discuss potential policy ideas. So they have these, you know, remit committees where um, various uh, members can put forward ideas for the, the party to consider, basically, in terms of new policy. Now, there was none of that this year because obviously they're not in Parliament. On Sunday, they did the usual uh, election of the new board members, election of a new president, and then they had this um, address from Winston Peters, which is normally open to the public when the party is in Parliament. So they, you know, let sort of anyone come along and listen, and, you know, you can get anywhere up to sort of three or four hundred people sort of turn up for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they, didn't, they didn't open it to the public uh, this year. They did just open it to the media um, for that small bit instead. You mentioned that there was a review into the 2020 election. Were you privy to that? No, so that was very much a closed session. Um, and even speaking to members and MPs um, during the lunch break on Sunday afternoon, you know, people weren't willing to go into the detail. It was, you know, very much considered a closed session and it was for the party to reflect on. I think Shane Jones probably summed it up perfectly when he said, oh, Look, it's a bit like Steve Hansen. All Blacks had a bad game, flush it down the dunny and move on. That was kind of how they all seemed to be treating the, the campaign review. No one really wanted to sort of go into whether Winston Peters had actually addressed the members about, you know, his role, um, which is obviously a fairly significant one, um, in that campaign and and the style that it was um, done in in the end. But, yeah, I guess you would expect that sort of stuff to be kept under lock and key. They're not going to ever release that review. Mm. But I think probably they could have, maybe, you know, loosened up a little bit. They could have talked a little bit about what some of the recommendations were. You know, the party, when you talk to M- to former MPs within the party, they talk about the fact that, you know, COVID changed everything and, you know, they should have talked more about the, the wins that they had in government and that sort of thing. And and I think that they could have probably talked about that a little bit more um, more openly. I think Winston Peters could have talked about that more openly in his speech. Which, you know, begs the question, how much reflection has actually gone on there? Um, How much has that campaign review actually been filtered down? Um, You know, I I spoke to people who should have been interviewed as part of that process who said that they did not take part because they didn't think that the way that it was being done was right. Mm -hmm. And people had concerns that it would be quite filtered. So, yeah, there's a lot of questions there about how that was done. They couldn't afford to get anyone independent to do it because you need money to do that and the party Mm -hmm. doesn't have any at the moment. Um, So, yeah, it meant that it was done by internal party people. And, you know, how reflective can a party be about a disastrous election campaign when it's been done by the people who were at the heart of it?
Joe, I don't know if you're a fan of The Simpsons, but um, there is a, a, a famous clip from The Simpsons where Principal Skinner, the principal of the elementary school there, is, is um, bemoaning why he can't connect with his students. And, and so he thinks to himself, you know, Am I so out of touch? No, it's the children who are wrong. And <laughs> and I wonder whether you get sort of a do you do you know where I'm going with that? I wonder whether you get sort of a sense of that that there is maybe a reluctance to accept responsibility and accountability for the election result last year, and this idea that you can just sort of brush it off like a bad match for the All Blacks. Whether that is a productive mindset, what do you think? Well, it's funny you've brought up The Simpsons because I've got my own Simpsons reference for you, which I'll share with you shortly. But, um, yeah, no, I I think you're right. Um, There is this sort of, well, this thing happened. It's very convenient to say that, uh, you know, COVID-19 is to blame. The Prime Minister was hugely popular and we didn't do anything wrong and it's everyone else's problem. Some of that is true. Yes, COVID-19 did happen. Yes, the Prime Minister was extremely popular. But you know what? The Green Party is back in Parliament. So you look at the different styles and the ways that the campaign, I guess, was run by different people within that sort of uh, coalition supply and confidence arrangement. And, you know, the Greens, for all intents and purposes, basically cuddled up to the to the Prime Minister during the campaign and, and talked about what they'd done and what, and what more they were going to do. Mm. They also don't have a model where, you know, the leader is the be-all and end-all of the party. They're a sort of issues policy-based party rather than a leader-based party. But, you know, the, the, the strategy of Winston Peters, which, to be fair, he started off in the right way and then things went a little bit south when the election got postponed. And the problem for Winston Peters is that when he gets really annoyed about something. He can't let it go. Mm. I did an interview with him ahead of the initial um, campaign, which, you know, was when the election was going to be in September. And it was really funny because basically the interview was pretty much done. And um, we were just sort of chatting. And he said, oh, you know, look, we're just going to go out there and we're going to talk about all of the good things that we've done. And, you know, it's going to be a really great sort of positive campaign. And I jokingly, very jokingly said, are you telling me that you're going to run a relentlessly positive campaign, Winston Peters? (laughs) And he said, Yes, yes I am. That's exactly what we're going to do. And I was like, uh, okay. Um, now, if he'd gone out and done that, I don't know. I'm not going to say that you know they'd be back in Parliament, but I think things might have been a little bit different. What happened, of course, is that we had the uh, community outbreak in Auckland. The election got postponed. The decision was made by the government that they were going to leave the whole country in level two for some time which massively impacted the way that Winston Peters was able to campaign and suddenly this campaign that they had planned and prepared for completely went out the bus window and all of a sudden you just had a really really frustrated and annoyed Winston Peters who just wanted to go at it against Labour because they had effectively ruined his campaign as far as he was concerned. Yeah, I mean, your report on this AGM does... It does have this thread throughout it of kind of raging against elements of social and cultural change. We do not intend to put the name New Zealand on the endangered species list. They now are whacking tradies and farmers with a fee to make it cheaper for Ngati Woke to buy an electric car. The city of sales has become the city of snails. Growing in our country, you know, today is a cancelled culture where anyone who asks a legitimate question is belittled as a colonialist, a racist, a bigot, a chauvinist, or worse still, not new, 
work age. Shaking your fist at the clouds kind of thing. When, you're there. Yeah. You're, you're 100% there you because this I is my stand? Simpsons reference. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I fully had a moment yesterday at the AGM where I was like, oh my gosh, this is old man yells at cloud. Old man yells at cloud. It was, it was Abe. It was Grandpa Simpson. <laughs> Who's laughing now? <laughs> Shut up! Which I suppose has its place in the political spectrum, but I don't know, does it seem a little bit incongruous against the brand of politics, particularly the brand of politics advocated by Jacinda Ardern, who, whatever you might think of her, it, it remains an extraordinarily popular politician? Look, and, and this is the thing, right, is that she is popular and we've got a Labour majority government, right? So everyone else sits there, and this is not just Winston Peters, this is Judith Collins as well, and this is David Seymour. They sit there and they go, where are the votes that we can get, right? And everything about Winston Peters' speech on Sunday was was really just feeding into that belief that there is still this demographic, um, this number of voters who turn the television on at six o'clock at night or turn you know the radio on um, and hear te reo and, and fume about it and hate it and think, gosh, the, the country's you know, absolutely gone to the dogs because um, we're embracing what is an official language of New Zealand. It's classic Winston Peters to, to go down that road, but it's interesting because he's gone down the road that Judith Collins and David Seymour are already on. Mm. To be frank, there's too many photography classes, too much uh, media studies, uh, too much woke stuff, which is great, except that there's not jobs in those areas. So how many people and how many parties can you actually have on that same road? That's the question, really. He needs only 5%. Well, somewhat more than 5%, of course. Uh, yes, he'll offend younger voters, so on, they will dismiss him anyway. So you reckon uh, he's in with a chance? I do. I do. I'm not sure I'm happy about that. But but uh, there are some things that Winston brings to politics which, which no one else right now is bringing. I think that their, uh, their path to victory really has to be the conservative blue-collar Labour voter. Josh Van Veen is a political commentator and former NZ First parliamentary staffer and researcher for Winston Peters. The sort of people who, who probably voted for New Zealand First in 2011, 2014, 2017, when, when Labour was, you know, as you recall, polling under 30%. I think that those are the people they need to win back. Uh, they're not going to do that with, um, the, you know, the kind, you know, with fire and brimstone. I think those people actually do want a, a positive vision for the future and, and they're looking for, for um, some kind of, I, I guess, meaning. In the last election, those voters gravitated back to Labour because Jacinda Ardern, was, um, she, she made people feel safe and gave them hope in a time of, of global chaos, really. It's, it's understandable why those voters would have gravitated to Labour in 2020, but I think in the next election... They'll possibly may look back on the uh, previous Labour New Zealand First Coalition with a you know a, a bit of bit of nostalgia. Ish, issues like uh, you know there's this, this, this debate issue that that Winston um, devoted part of his speech to yesterday. Mm. It's, it's small the small issues like that which I, I think may may resonate with with the type of voter uh, who who probably shares New Zealand First's outlook. Labour has this this unfortunate. Uh, tendency to be kind of self-righteous. 
looking down on on people who who uh, you know don't don't necessarily subscribe to the uh, the, the sort of urban liberal worldview. That's the kind of sentiment that New Zealand First needs to tap into, but they can do it, I think, in a, in a positive and constructive way rather than sort of um, appealing to fear and, and, and prejudice, which, which they have unfortunately done in the past. I don't know that it's certain policies. There's a certain, there is a certain idea that exists about how the world should be and how the country should run and how the defence force should be more appreciated, how the elderly should be better looked after. Um, You know, there's just certain things that people kind of go, yep, New Zealand First is the only, it's the only party that's kind of doing that. And and then there's the other stuff that that we've talked about and, you know, Judith Collins and David Seymour to a certain extent are in that space as well. But I guess what Judith Collins and David Seymour have that Winston doesn't have is seats in Parliament. Yes, which is quite a big deal when you're talking about politics. <laughs> the biggest strength the party has is, is this this enduring appeal for uh, you know um, New Zealand as it as it used to be, or this is kind of nostalgic romantic vision of the way New Zealand was in the you know mid 20th century, mm. where there was this this idea that everyone was equal, it didn't matter whether you were Maori or Pakeha. That uh, you know that old New Zealand dream is, is, is still very powerful. That's I think that's the biggest strength they have. The biggest weakness they have is um, the perception that that New Zealand First is just Winston Peters. That's the, that's the biggest uh, challenge they have to overcome. And I think they have actually started to overcome that. It looked to me like the the average age in that room was around was fifty something, whereas in the past it's been more like over 70. I think the fact that they are appealing to uh, a younger and younger audience uh, suggests to me that, that it's, it's, it's a lot more than uh, just Winston Peters. Winston Peters clearly is still a very charismatic figure, but <sighs> there's no hugely polite way to put this. He's old. He'll be 78 come next election, and there are very few people who are still at the peak of their powers when they're 78 years old. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. <laughs> I guess if you'd say he's at the peak of his power. But, like, was there any talk at all about succession planning, about what the mid to long term holds for New Zealand first? No, there wasn't, but then there never is. And, you know, people have talked about succession planning with Winston Peters for about a decade, and he's still here. So it's, is, it, um, is it a pointless conversation? Who knows? I don't, I don't really see New Zealand First being a thing when Winston decides that he's done. Do you so, not? No, I really don't, because, like, you look at it. I mean, the deputy leader at the moment is Fletcher Tapato. Mm. Well, how much of the country actually, how many people in this country know who Fletcher Tapato is? Seriously. Mm. Um, the alternative is Shane Jones. Well, um, Shane Jones did really badly in the Northland seat, and that is that's home for him. That's you know, that's people who know him, love him, and that's where he has delivered a lot through the provincial growth fund over the last three years, and and they didn't vote for him. So, I'm just not convinced that there's some magical person who isn't currently with the party who's going to suddenly decide, do you know what, the New Zealand First Leadership is for me and just rock up one day and be the saviour. Um, so you have to look to within the party. And I, I'm just not convinced. The The membership is a massive, massive um, 
support base uh, around Ron Mark, mm. and he's been with the party, you know, pretty much since its beginning. Um, and he he was the deputy leader until Fletcher Tabato took over. Um, but but I don't think Ron Mark would have been it either. And you know he's given up on the party. He's he's not even a member anymore. Mm. He's decided that he's done, and he's decided that the party's done. So when you've got people like Ron Mark deciding it's over, and Tracy Martin, who you know, bear in mind, Tracy Martin was pretty much her and her mother were the reason that New Zealand first got back in in 2011. Mm. I mean, they worked out of the family garage between 2008 to 2011 to get that party back into Parliament. And she has also quit the party and given up. So you just kind of go, what's, what is there after Winston Peters? I'm just not convinced. That's it for today. I'm Emile Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Mark Jennings. And thanks to Joe Moyer and Josh Van Veen. Matewa. <laughs>